Hello, my name is Georgia. I would like to begin by paying my respect to the traditional custodians of this land on which the Braided team created our podcast. I acknowledge that I created my podcast on Wurundjeri land and that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are and always will be the first storytellers. Artful Dodgers, where Braided operates, is a community space which resides on the unceded lands of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty has never been ceded. Uh, testing, testing, one, one, two, three. Every time I just hit record and just say. We'll start from the start. Hello, is this thing on? Here and there, really. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound alright? Is she frozen? Certified baddie. <laughs> if you like some elements but you don't like others, keep the bits that you like. Just one second, uh, my underarms are itching, so I'm just going to scratch it a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead. Agum, thank you. I hope your underarms are okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love the detail. <laughs> it's always good to keep us updated. Well, I don't recall that. So, <laughs> <but> <laughs> okay, I'm your host, Matisse. And I'm your host, Agum. And you're listening to Braided. Today on Braided, we are going to check in on Jenny. Hello. This is indeed day 143 of isolation. That was me trying to do a David Attenborough accent. Danny and Reggie will talk music. And Reggie is going to give us another update. And you'll hear much, much more from me when Mary and I vibe and tell it how it is. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be a lot to take in for anybody. <laughs> my eyes are about to fall out of my head. Okay, last season on Braided, Jenny shared her story about living with severe asthma. Of all the things I could be shut at, I suck at breathing. <laughs> so at the end of last year, Jenny went home to Ireland to see her family. While she was there, she had a full-on asthma attack, maybe the worst one yet. She was rushed to hospital, nearly died, and was there for six long weeks before they finally let her go home. But with those lungs, in the thick of the COVID crisis, well, she hasn't left the house since. You, you just wake up and go back to sleep and wake up and go back to sleep, isn't it? Exactly. It's the same thing every day, but sure, it's grand. How long has it been going on now? Uh, well, for me, it's been since Christmas Eve. Oh, my Lord. So, like, 24 weeks? <laughs> yeah. That is almost a baby. Yeah, I know. It's a long bloody time. <laughs> that is a second trimester there. Yeah, well... Luckily, I haven't grown a baby in this time that I'll then have to, like, sit inside with. <laughs> you are so funny. So uh, do you do much at all other than sitting indoors? Um, no, <laughs> not really. So I, I feel like the hospital was a bit of a training camp for sitting inside all the time. Yeah. So we've had, like, almost 2,000 people die of it so far in oh Ireland. Oh, my dear. Yeah. So it's a bit rough, eh? Yeah, that is a lot rough. Yeah, it's really crazy for me to see what's happening in, in Oz because it's so much tighter here that it gives me anxiety to see all my Aussie friends 
like out and about and I'm like, no, stay inside. Don't do it. Yeah. When are you coming back? Uh, well, whenever it's safe to, because I'm at such high risk that um, if I come back and risk getting it on the plane or whatever, I'll be dead. Oh, my God. And we so, don't want you to do that. You are catching, you know, you're trying to catch your breath without this COVID-19, let alone having this whole thing going on. It's bloody crazy. But I'm all right. I'm just doing some painting and some sitting out in the sun and some yeah. home workouts. So it's grand. Well, Jenny, we'll be waiting here. We want you to be safe. Oh, me and too. And we want you back and safe and in one piece. Yes, that would be ideal. Okay. <laughs> Let's make that a goal. That's as good a goal as ever. A gum, you, you talking about the baby? That's a whole ass baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> As a mother, of course, you had to. <laughs> what else do you think about when you've had so many kids? Oh. Everything is calculated in kids. <laughs> but seriously, that almost made me cry. Stay inside, people. Stay inside. Jenny wants to come home. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, with all the seriousness of the pandemic, we didn't want to talk about COVID at all. Sometimes we just wanted to talk about the things that made us happy. And our practice interviews were perfect for that. If there was a specific, if you specifically remember it, what was the very first album or single or song that you ever bought? Spice Girls. Yeah. <laughs> I love, it was a tape. It was a tape back in 90 something. And I was remember telling my parents that I really want this tape. I really want to listen to it. I love the Spice Girls. And I used to like wake up in the early mornings of the weekend to watch Rage. And every time Spice Girls came on, I think, yeah, I can't remember the song, but I loved it. I loved it a lot. I used to sing along to it, I used to dance to it. It was a very big, like, part of my life at that time. So, yeah, Spice Girls tape. <laughs> nice. Were uh, Spice Girls the first um, artists that you really got into? Well, I think it was also Venga Boys as well. Um, I like the poppy tunes of Venga Boys. They had, like, that really um like in your face pop and i like that i really like that a lot because it meant that it had attitude it had personality um so yeah i really enjoyed that and i think that's it's replicated throughout my life that i've become that personality that outgoing personality that venue boys and spice girls tends to influence <laughs> radicalize more than anything else <laughs> <laughs> radicalize them i love it is this the spice girl music like the girls group yes i know what they look like but i don't know anything else they're gay icons it was mel b for me (laughs) y'all it was mel b who radicalized me (laughs) all right i will agree on that on based on the fact that i don't know anything about this (laughs) trust me Other times, the pandemic made us want to talk about everything, all at once. 
Back in one of the early braided workshops, I started talking to Mary. And with you, actually, Agum. Mm, they can talk. They can talk. <laughs> <laughs> we kept talking and we made a podcast. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your stories. So. Here's Mary and Matisse in Vibe. Oh, and this is a sweary one. Just like I predicted. <laughs> Prophet Agum. <laughs> Is that on record? All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Matisse. I'm here today with... Mary, the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm 21 years old. I'm a Pisces. Mm-hmm. I live north side. What about you? I'm 21. I checked. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend that it's not there. All right, all right. I'm 21. I'm a, I'm a Taurus. Earth sign, let's get it. Welcome to our podcast, bitches. It's like a rite of passage mm-hmm. for like most young people that I know, especially in this economy. Yeah. We're not buying houses and moving yeah. in with like partners and stuff and like doing all that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like if you're going to move out of home, if you don't want to live with your parents, the only option that we have is to move into a share house because that's yeah. the only thing that we can the afford. The cheapest option, for sure. It's the cheapest option. Mm-hmm. And definitely I think so many people learn so much from living with other people their own age like not living with like mom or dad who like cooks for you who cleans for you yeah who, like takes you places. everything's your responsibility you have now. to pay your bills like you actually have to do everything yourself now mm-hmm. and you have to kind of like figure it out together with these Definitely. sometimes strangers who you don't know literally So today, Mary and I want to talk about just kind of the experience of living as like a young adult, as young black women in a share house dynamic and navigating that through the COVID era. How did you find your house? With me, I went through a, do you know like ways? Have you heard of Waze? No. Well, it's in Berwick and it helps young people find a house because I didn't necessarily want to leave home, but I kind of had to. Share accommodation, going into it, I found it really scary because I was looking for something just as soon as possible. Mm. I think I was gambling with it, but like I'm blessed to have met, like they're actually really, really good people. That's so good. But I could have went the other way and I could have been living with people. They're like, keep this down. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, you want to... People wanna... that are like bossy. Bossy. Yeah, I don't like rules. that. Or like friends. And then you're living with friends and it like fucks up that relationship with that friend. That's why I'm like, I love my friends so much, but 
I know I can't live with friends. Mm. There are some friends that I'm like, I could never live with you. Like, I just, ever. I love our friendship, but like, whenever I've had friends tell me, like, oh, let's live together, and I'm just like, Same. I love you too much. I don't want our friendship to end because we because live together. Because you'll piss me off. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want that. I don't want problems. And I don't need to see that side of you. Literally. When you live with someone, you, you actually see a side of them that nobody else does mm-hmm. because you're living with them. Literally. You see what they look like in the morning mm-hmm. or like how they are when they're hungover or like, in a shit mood mm-hmm. and like how they live in spaces and like things are dirty if they're like a messy oh, person i can't like it's are you messy to, i'm not a messy person like i like You're my not? shit clean mm. like all right like if it's a bit of mess i don't mind but like the common area especially where everyone's shared going spaces. yeah shared spaces please like it has to be clean at all times i because i moved out of home when i was 18 years old yeah but, like, when I lived at home, my mum was clean freak. Like, everything had to be spotless at all times. That's my mum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> then black mums, everything, Literally. spick and span. If there's a guest over, you're you're on your knees cleaning their skirting. Literally. Oh, my God, sis. <laughs> you just explained my life, mate. My mum will see one fork dirty. She'll be like, I told you guys to clean the dishes. Come clean my house right now. Like, my mum would get so annoyed at us and she'd just be like, I'm ready to just get a one-bedroom home and you guys can live by yourselves. I just want my own space. Like, she was over us. Literally. (laughs) Literally. One thing, learning how to cook. Like, my mum would always tell me, when you move out, you're going to wish you learned how to cook. And now... You didn't, you didn't, you didn't watch your mum cooking? I didn't. Like, I was just that, like... Because it was my mum and older sister, they would always cook. My little sister knows how to cook too, but I was just that person, like, let me know when the food's ready. (laughs) Now I'm just like... Been, She's a princess or whatever. <laughs> I've been eating spaghetti for like, cause that's the only thing I know how to make. But I'm over it. I'm Come over. over. It. Let me cook for you. Let me teach you how to cook. Oh girl. My mom, she can cook, and I'm grateful for like her kind of like forcing me to learn how to cook. Yeah. I like cooking, but to get the motivation to cook, especially if you're just cooking for yourself. Yeah, literally. You're like, you don't mm. want to make too much. Yeah. I just miss it. Like other people. Mm. I've been visiting my mum more often because I miss seeing my siblings. Yeah. Was isolation, like, how was that for you? Isolation for me, it was, like I said, I don't really talk to the others as much. I'm in my room most of the time, Mm. just either watching documentaries or reading a book. Mm. Like, I've always been that type of person. Even when I lived with my mum, I was always in my room a lot. I think for me, like, yeah, being in the same space with the same people for that long, I was just, like, I was getting, like, frustrated, especially with everything that was going on in the media and in the US and over here as well, with the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. living in a house with predominantly white people. I was just feeling... (laughs) I was just feeling some type of way. I'll just say that. I was feeling very isolated in that way. So not only am I physically isolated in this house, I'm also isolated with people that I feel like that I cannot relate to or have conversations about this without it being weird because they are white and I am black. So it was just like, yeah, you cannot relate to me. So like the conversations that I'm having with you are like, 
not what I need is not what I need. And so I felt myself escaping and going to hang out with the one POC friend that I had in the area and just being like, I'm losing my mind. Let's go for a walk. Like, let's, let's just go out of this house, please. And just unpack everything that's going on because I couldn't do that in my own house. And Literally. I was feeling frustrated at them. Like, they weren't technically doing anything wrong or, like, going out of their way to make me uncomfortable. I just felt uncomfortable. I can't put words as to why. I just felt othered. Yeah, like, I felt like my mental health was going down the hill because, like, I'm stuck at home. I can't really distract myself. When I open Instagram, that's the first thing I see, like, black people being murdered for no fucking reason. I don't care what they did. Like, you know, he robbed the store. I'm like, all right, but that doesn't deserve death. Put him in jail or something. I know. Doesn't make sense. People are mad because we did a protest. Black people, we've been through a lot. We've faced death for so long that I don't care about a virus. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'd rather be a statistic for coronavirus than have, like, another black person be a statistic and, like, dying on the street or dying in the hospital because the doctors didn't believe them. They thought they were being dramatic. Just some bullshit. That argument of... The co- like you shouldn't have gone to protest because of the coronavirus. They're opening up stadiums to play yes. fucking football. Shut Thank up! Thank you. Racism is a is a systematic issue. It affects the healthcare system just as much as the virus. It's did. because we did it. That's why everyone's just like black people are hypocrites. Mm. Yeah, but that's the first protest I ever attended. It's something important to me. And just, you know, this is something for the book, something to tell my kids, literally, no justice, no peace. I think I I needed to go to the rally because I was feeling very angry and very frustrated. I I needed to let it out, like, physically (laughs) with, like, yelling (laughs) and, like... Yeah, there was a lot of yelling. I was yelling, and I didn't think I'd be yelling in front of strangers, but I'm there yelling, like, you know... Well, it was such a good vibe, just seeing everyone there. Like, you could really feel the love. It was cathartic. I needed that. Mm-hmm. I needed the physical outlet of to get, like, my frustration and anger out. Yeah. Um, and also being with my black friends and, like, mm-hmm. even seeing black people for the first time in months. <laughs> Imagine. But it's the fact, for me, it was just, like... It was like none of none of my white friends can understand. So a lot of them were just disappointing me, just by like yeah, literally just the small shit they'll do. Just, is just the tiniest like, thing was just. It, I was like, now I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people I that are trying, trying, and it hurts them too. At the too. end of the day, at the end of the day, it isn't about skin color when it comes it's to not. like a connection with someone. It's, it's not. It's society, and it's. I'm seeing a white dude, and like I really enjoy his company and stuff, and it's just like I'm also seeing a white dude. But so I, I'm still teaching him some things, like, Same. you know, because, like, our cultures are obviously different. I'm teaching And I was him. getting frustrated at him. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm just, like, trying to touch me. I'm like, we're not doing it today. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot touch me. You cannot colonize my body today. <laughs> no, sorry, bitch. It's not happening. But, yeah, it's just, like, I'm teaching him. And, like, I think that's with both cultures. Like, I want to understand why people are so angry. I want to talk to people. Like, what bothers you so much about me? Hmm. What was your first encounter with racism? 
I wasn't allowed to go down the slide. What? I was in St Kilda. Bitch, how old were you? Oh, young. Young. And I was like, can I have a turn after you? Because I was waiting a while. And she said, no, you can't go down because you're black. And I was like, oh. Then I just went to my mom and she was like, it's the parents, darling. It's the parents. Like, yeah, don't worry about literally- it. She was like looking at the parents and giving them like dirty looks. She was very angry. It is. But yeah, that's like child. And then when I was like early teenager, I remember I was walking down like a main road in like a very white suburb. It was like a grand final day. And some like drunk idiots just like screamed out like little black bitch from their car. Oh, wow. Just on like White Horse Road. No one said anything. And then I went up to my mom and she was just like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have let you walk down the street on grand final day. Like all the, all the fuckers are out. Yeah, it's fucked. My first experience, I was like in prep. I had this friend. She was such a pretty girl. Like we did everything together. You know, when you're little, like, I'd lick a lollipop, she licks a lollipop. That's so cute. And then one day, she came to school, but she didn't talk to me. Like, she was acting weird. If I spoke to her, she would just turn around and just walk away. A week went by, and then the Friday after school, I asked her, did I do something wrong? And she was just like, my mom told me I can't talk to you because your skin is black and it's dirty. (gasps) And, like, little me, like... I didn't have the mouth I had right now. So I went home and I started to scrub my skin so hard because I wanted all the dirt to come out. It was fucked up. But yeah, that really just stuck with me and it was just like, wow, the world is not nice. Mm. That's when that's when I realised that, oh, so it's black and white. Mm. Before it was just like, we're kids. Now it's like black, white. Mm. It's fucked, man. Really that's why parents innocence. need to teach their kids, like... Mm. Schools need to be teaching their kids. Mm-hmm, literally. Systematic change. Like, younger me, it was devastating, but now, obviously, as I grow... you just It's just ignorance. Yes, yeah, ignorance. It's just ignorance. Now, like, it's like either you laugh or cry. Now I'm just like, ha! Yeah, like, I'm <laughs> just like... Your like, daughter, she tried it. Your daughter's probably sucking black dick, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving! I'm leaving! <laughs> <laughs> But it's just like stuff like that. I'm really, at this time of my life, please. I don't have time for it. I don't care. Yeah, but I've definitely noticed throughout this time with the conversation happening a lot more, I feel like why people are now realizing what they can and cannot say. Mm-hmm. The fact that a viral video of a black man being murdered on the streets mm-hmm. is what is making you all talk about it. First of all, is concerning. Mm-hmm. Let's start there. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to explain, but it's also like, I feel like for so long you've denied us to read and write. Why don't you do your own education too, you know? Like I had to go back and really like teach myself my history. Why don't you learn history too? Mm-hmm. But I feel like sometimes white people are scared to learn history because if you take it really back, it's not a pretty history. You don't even have to take it that far back. Literally. You literally don't. Literally. Look at 50 years ago and see what was happening. Literally. Um, look at, look at last, look at yesterday. <laughs> Bitch, come on. We're still living in look it. Look at five minutes ago, honey. Have you realised, like, we had our protest and everything and now, like, everyone's feeds and stuff is going back to normal. I'm like, no, it's not a fucking no. trend. This is my life. I experience this on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, like... It's not Black Lives Matter just for one day. It's every day. Like, when we say Black Lives Matter, we know all lives matter. It's just like, 
black lives Community. untreated like all lives. lives matter thank you literally but um when it going back to the education thing i'm on the fence because i'm like i was that person i would be happy to educate people all the time but it, it became um people get defensive when you're talking about stuff or when you're calling yes. them out and saying actually don't say that or don't do that they get defensive and then they they're not hearing you when you're trying to explain they're hearing they're like listening aggression. to li- they're um listening to you to speak back but it's just like listen mm-hmm. to understand like i'm not trying to have yes. an argument with you yes so I have a lot of friends and a lot of people coming and asking me questions like, should I post this? Is this okay? Do you think this is racist? Throughout my whole life, people coming like, can I wear this? Even my housemate asked me, can I wear this bandana? I'm like, I don't know. Why are you? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Google it. But then also it's like, if we're not going to educate them, who will? Who else because will? Do, but it's like, you can just Google it. But I know that people, if they... If the if the information isn't at their fingertips and like, but it is because it's on Google. But like, if it's not being said to them when they ask, it's just it's too much work. I find it so strange that we have to fight for justice to be treated like humans. Like growing up, I never saw my white friends different. Like my mum would get irritated at me if I'm like, oh, my white friend is coming over. She'd be like, it's not your white friend, it's your friend. Mm. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. That's how I was raised. But, like, being around my white friends, I would always think about them. But I feel like towards us, no one really thinks about how we would feel. Like, when people slip out their N-word and they think they can just laugh it off in front of me. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> Mate. <laughs> like, I'm the, I am that girl. Like, I'm the I'm that As one. As you should be. Like, I will come Call for you. Behavior. But then after that, when I do speak up, oh, she's an angry black woman. It's always like, why are you guys so angry? And it's just like, because you're just, you're trying to play with me. You're trying to fuck with me. And it's not That's today. why I think it's so important for non-black people to be out here policing their, their... Check their, your friends. Like, exactly. You know, check check, your, check friends. your friends. Check your white friend who says the N-word when she's rapping that song. Yeah. Why would you do stuff like that? Like, you know, it offend me. Everyone loves black culture, but they don't love black people. Like, love me as much as you love my culture. Mm-hmm. They laugh, but then they copy. I never understood that. But they but they kind of separate. They separate the culture from the person. Yeah, they, that's what I mean. They, they, they want they the culture, but they don't want the person. It. Like, we influence a lot, and I, and I hate it when people try to deny it because I'm like, without black culture, things wouldn't be the Where way that I would. Exactly. Like, let's be honest. Let's let's just, let me put this out there. The queer community, y'all would not be where you are Without, if it was not for black people. Mm. For black trans women, yeah. th- they were the ones who pioneered the whole movement. All of your little slangs, your fashion, Thank your you. music. Where do you think that all comes from? And it... Where did that come from? It really irritates me because they don't understand. And it's just like, they're like, oh, but everyone say sis and stuff. I'm like, no. But who said sis first? first. Thank you. Sis. Sis. (laughs) 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 A lot of people were going to the protest just to post on their Instagram and be like, oh, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Like, there's so many people that I saw. It's performative. Yeah. It's very performative. And that's what I've been noticing the most is like the performative nature of like people around me, activism. It's like, are you doing this 
because you care, you're doing this because you want to seem like you care in order yeah. to not come across as, as an asshole mm-hmm. or to hop on the trends and like get that clout. Like, what? Oh my like, god, you went what to are the your reasons? Yeah, what, come are, on. what? What are the reasons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd rather a person tell me they don't like me instead of faking it to me. Mm. It's like a lot of these people that I see posting on Instagram and like doing all this stuff you in real life isn't, you're not coming at me with the same energy, energy in yeah. real life. And then it's like someone who acts like they care, but do they Do they really? I'd rather someone be like a racist to my face yes. and call me yeah. the N-word with a hard R than post something on Instagram and like act like they care, but like still perpetuate like mm-hmm. racist stuff behind closed doors. Literally. I think the changes that I want to see within my own community, mm-hmm. like the people that I surround myself with, is stop being like so afraid of being wrong. Please listen. Please listen when we're talking to you. Like I don't want to hear you speak. When I speak, shut up. <laughs> no, like sp- seriously. It's like just, don't speak over you? Yeah, like don't speak. It's like, do you know when you're trying to explain to them and they're like, why? Oh, no, but... They love to say but all the time. And it's just like, but what? Like, I'm trying to tell you how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Like. I think I think we're all just getting frustrated because at this point there is kind of no excuse for ignorance. Yeah. Because there is so much information and resources out there available to you for free that you can read, you can watch, you can listen, and you can learn that's what I want to see change is for people to actively start doing that and start learning about the culture and as to why things are the way that they are now mm-hmm. and kind of take accountability and take responsibility Literally. and do the work. What doing the work is, I don't know. That's on you guys to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But listen to me. White people are scared of conversation because it makes them feel uncomfortable actually realizing like the privilege realizing um the stuff that people of color go through you start to feel like some sort of guilt but once you let that guilt go it's like i'm that person trying to make this world a better place and get rid of the ego get yeah, rid the ego. of your ego and they need to dismantle the whole system literally the whole system and then start from scratch That's a lot of hard work. And we as civilians can pop off and do the most and like fight for change. Unfortunately, it is not up to us. We can scream and yell as loud as we can. It's up to the people up top to actually make the change, unfortunately. So I see hope, but also I'm like, the world is run by white men. So... Do they care enough to actually make the proper change? I don't know. I hope so. Literally. Because, like, the system has failed us so many times that, like, I'm not getting my hopes up. I just feel like with the Black Lives Matter movement, that was a very touching experience for me. Um, like I said, it was it was, like, bittersweet because seeing everyone there, it was very sweet. But then, like, you still have your dickheads, like, around the world. But being around everyone is just like, nah, there's some people, there's good people everywhere, like, you know, good and bad. But, like, as a country, 
before we look at anyone else, we gotta look at ourselves. Because Australia looks at America and I'm like, it's not just America, it's, just, it's everywhere. Even in Africa, like everywhere, like, you know, we got colorism there. Like mm. same people looking at each other like they're different. It's just like, bro. Mm. But it's facts. Colorism is real, bro. Like, colorism is so Like real. me and Matisse were both black, but like I'm dark skin. She's light skin. Mm-hmm. She's from, where are you from, sis? I'm Mauritian. Yeah, she's Mauritian. I'm from Sudan, you know. She's not going to be like, oh, I'm light. When you ask her, what are you? Oh, I'm light skin. No, bitch, I'm black. But trust me, I've met people like that. We're literally the same. You're just a tad lighter than me. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> You know what I mean? But, like... I think during this time, especially living in a share house as a young person, as a young black person living in a share house, I've learnt my boundaries. Like, I have secure boundaries now and I kind of know what I want when it comes to my home. And I know what I want when it comes to my relationships and friendships and the kind of relationship that the very unique relationship that you have with that with the person that you live with. Um, but I've I've learnt and grown in a way that I didn't expect I would. I thought I was just kind of like gonna coop it up in my room and like watch Netflix for like three months but like that's not what I've been doing and it's been a lot more hectic and a lot more dramatic than I thought it would be but I'm grateful for it I'm grateful that we got to live through such a crazy experience but also we have it so much easier than like so many other countries yeah literally so I've d I definitely um like acknowledge my privilege a lot. I was like, wow, definitely. Like we have, I have it easy, especially like being able to work from home and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I just feel like if people were more open, the world would be such a better place. Cause like when I meet people, I'm just like, tell me about your people. For example, the indigenous people, like we're both black, but I'm African, you're Australian, and we shared the same hurt, but like. Cultures was kind of different, but there's so many things we could relate to, but yet so similar, but yet very different. And it was beautiful, like, you know, just speaking to the Indigenous brothers and sisters and just, yeah, we have the same cry, but, like, it's good to learn about other people. That's beautiful, Mary. So poetic. <laughs> Bitch. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end of our discussion. I have nothing more to say. That's a lie. I always have something to say. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but one more thing, Naja. <laughs> um, I want to thank you, Mary, for you checking out here from Berwick. I'm feeling always, blessed. Always, bro. Always, always. It's a vibe. Yeah. Like I always say, a vibe. Vibe. If we have a podcast, let's name it Vibe. Vi it, oh, vibe, vibe. Vibe. All right. This was the first episode of Vibe. I hope you guys vibes when you listen to it because we mm. were straight vibing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> do not do drugs and do your homework.
and listen to your mother. Literally. I'm so hungry. Oh, do you want to eat? So yeah, I'm speechless. <laughs> oh, you are the realest dog I could ever say. Like, damn. Thanks, Agum. <laughs> okay, we are running out of time, but... Here is Reggie with another update. Hi. It's April. It's May. It's June. Today's date is the 23rd of June 2020. It is 3.35pm. This little, I guess, update is to talk about the fact that I recently painted my fingernails. For a while, I loved you know, expressing myself through different accessories or different colors that would work within my color scheme and my clothing fashion choices. Um, over the last two or three years, I feel like I've become much more inclined to accessorize myself using things like lipstick um, or fingernail polish, which is traditionally seen as feminine. I don't have anything wrong with that, actually. I really do enjoy it. Um, I find myself to express my gender identity in different ways and as I was taking my last class of the semester last week, I decided to paint my nails black. A nice, glossy and matte onyx black fingernail polish. I did an undercoat, I did three layers of black fingernail polish and then I did an overcoat. And I feel good. I feel really good about it. For a while, I struggled with doing it because I was scared of what people would think of me. Um, you know, I'm seen in public as traditionally masculine, as traditionally a man. I'm trying to challenge the notion that people believe what a man should look like. But at the end of the day, I don't really see myself as a man. I see myself as a fluidity of different genders and identities all combined into one. I think, honestly, painting my nails has been a godsend. I love expressing myself through many different ways. I showed Charlie um, my potential future partner and he was very impressed. You know, I've been seeing Charlie for a few months now and things are working really well. And I'm glad to have someone who understands and doesn't judge me for it. There was a person I knew in my life when I went to RMIT at a specific time in my life who was very expressive of their identity. They were seen as a masculine man, but I'm not sure if they identified it with that way. I feel like they were a massive inspiration to some extent. You know, they shifted the flows and ebbs of life to represent who they are. And I guess that's one of the ways I'm doing with my life is maximizing the potential for who I am as a person and working with it and not necessarily letting what society thinks I should be doing affect my own condition. Because at the end of the day, I am one and I am a unique one. I really do enjoy doing little things and maybe one day 
I might get a tattoo, or I might start wearing lipstick a lot more often. That's Reggie's update. Thank you very much for listening. Yes! I've got black nails too, baby. I'm rocking them. <laughs> I think Reggie and I have a lot of things in common. Bro, Reggie is my icon, yo, for real. I love them so much. All right. That's all from us this episode. Vibe was produced by Matisse Leder and Mary, the one and only. You also heard from Jenny, Danny and Reggie in this episode. Keep checking your feeds because episode four is coming later this week. Braided is a production of Artful Dodgers Studios. This season is produced by Elijah Augustine, Reggie Chang, Matisse Leder, Kim Handley, Danny Hilaya, Agum Malawach, Mary and Georgia Wilmot. Plus, mentored and produced by Michelle Macklem, Joel Supple, Louise Terry, Jay Kranz, and guiding light from Bethany Atkinson Quinton. We are so forever grateful to our baddest baddie, Miss Angeliki Andrudsopoulos, for believing in Braided and making this possible. Music in this episode by Jesse Sullivan and the Desolates. That's Danny's band. And in vibe, beats are from Savage the Girl. Braided is supported by the JSS, Gandalf Philanthropy, and the city of Yara. Let's talk. We're on IG at artful underscore dodges and on Twitter at Braided Pod. And for more about the podcast, visit braidedpodcast.com. And here's Elijah singing us out with something on all our minds this lockdown. I woke up this morning with Bahamad set on freedom. (laughs) Ha ha ha.